Victory Formation with KG brings you the series, A Football Journey. On this journey, we will take a look at football at the youth, high school, college, and professional levels. Our first installment starts with the grassroots level. This is Victory Formation. Let's go! On today's show, we start our football journey at the youth level. I'm joined by special guest, Coach Dennis Harding. As I thought about how to approach the youth level on the football journey, I immediately thought of Dennis, as he has dedicated his life to youth football. Dennis will help us better understand the current state of youth football and on to the, to the bio. Our special guest, born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland, attended Lake Clifton High School, graduated from Boston College, class of 98, currently ranked 15th all-time with 119 career receptions, 23rd all-time with 1,400 receiving yards, 28th all-time with nine receiving touchdowns. In 2002, he founded Parkside Warriors, is currently the 7U coach. Uh, he also served as uh, head coach of the JV team at St. Francis Academy. Oh, and then there's those, uh, the, the, there is the, the specialness that, that goes with this. There is the bona fides, there, is the, there, there are the awards. Five-time AYF National Champion, 2013 AYF National Coach of the Year. Dennis, what's going on, my brother? What's going on, KG, man? Thanks for having me uh, with you this morning. I appreciate it. Man, glad to have you on. And, and, and we'll just catch up for a minute because, you know, we, we, we linked up at Boston College. And as I say, you like, you know, the the, the wise, you know, big brother here. So um, um, don't, do don't do that. No, nah, that, that, that's what it is. So we got we got to say that, um, you know, for me coming in, you know, from Maryland and, and being from the PG side, you being from Baltimore City, there was that connection that was there. Uh, we both were at receiver. As, as I went down and looked at some of these numbers, I had to keep scrolling to find my name, but yours was <laughs> right there at the top. And I will say, uh, with those numbers that you put up, that as the game has evolved, that we were kind of talking about in, in, in the pre-show, that when you, it, it's easier to say, when you left, I need, I was trying to count to, to see where it was. Okay, you 15 all time in receptions, but when you left, you were probably in the top 10. I think you were probably like number eight or so. Yeah, I believe so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you, you were getting busy, you were doing your thing, and as the game evolves, it's more passing now, those numbers would be better than what they are now. So we got to look at it and put it in that context and say the game has changed. And at, at the collegiate level, they're passing the ball way more than what they used to. Uh, it was more run heavy and, and BC specifically was way more run heavy than what it, what the game is now. So those right. numbers would be better than what they were. You you put that work in though, you know, me coming in, coming in and initially they had me a corner, then they mm. put me a receiver and I'm, I'm, I don't even think, I know I didn't share this with you, but I know when I came into to the receiver room, there was one of these practices, Coach Treadwell was there at the time, and he mm. didn't, uh, I don't know, he, I mean, you know, everybody say nobody liked him. <laughs> I, I don't feel as though he liked me or he didn't think I could play or whatever it was. Right, but I know right. it was, I made a play in practice and uh, Dennis was Dennis was like, yeah, Kenny or something. And it was like, you know what I'm saying, you really, boosting me up just having you knowing that you was out there as one of the starters one of the you know what i'm saying the guys that we looked at and kind of showed us how to do it how to run routes and to right. see and to get that from you that really you know what i'm saying did something for me so 
I appreciate you for that, my brother. Yeah, I, I appreciate you, man. As much respect that you remember that because just mentioning those uh, days in the meeting room with those assistant coaches, man, that played a real big part on how my career ended. But mm-hmm. I'm glad you touched on that. We can touch on that a little bit later too. Yeah, Dennis, it was um. So so we also connected on uh, Wu Tang. So <laughs> we both we both <laughs> we both Wu Tang all day. Uh, mm-hmm. We we had that connection and. Uh, like I said, over the years, you know, we haven't, you know, seen each other face to face. This is probably the first time, it, you know, probably in 20 years or so. But uh, the social media, the, the good part of that is that we, we stay connected on there. So it, it's good to to see you here on here and, and glad to have you on it. Yeah, same to you, my brother. I appreciate it, man. Um, been doing good things, man. I, I knew about the podcast earlier. I think I caught some of the earlier episodes when you first started. You 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 on enlightener as as, uh, as as well. Um, you enlightening on different subjects, political subjects, definitely the hip hop and the sports, man. So a lot of your commentary is well respected in my ears and in my eyes, man. So I pay attention to a lot of things you have to say. Oh, brother, that those those, those are kind words right there, and that's you know what I'm saying if if I can get that respect, then I know I'm on the right path <laughs> because uh, you you are respected, you know, for me. So. Some some more on the background. I do a little research and I see a Baltimore Sun article, Lake Clifton, mm. uh, Dennis Harding, and, mm. and, you, and you talked about politics. And they said that uh, after one of the games, they said the press conference. It, it, it looked like it was you know a political speech of the president serving up as Dennis gave all his thanks you know to the village. Um, it takes a village to raise a child, and again, that really I didn't even. This is my first time reading this. But our, right. you you exude that 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 was who you are. So it's only it, it just matches up perfectly because you really didn't change who you were. So it was like before I met you, they said <laughs> they said this about you, and it, it seems like that that's fairly consistent. Do you do you remember that? I remember that it was that was my 19 year old self. Right. That okay. was, um, I think my my red shirt freshman year. I think we just had a game against Virginia Tech, mm-hmm. and I scored my first touchdown, my collegiate first collegiate touchdown. And so the the newspaper front, the news reporter from Baltimore came up to BC. Okay. So I actually done that interview in one of the BC boardrooms, and um, and it was a controversial thing back home because uh, you know me, I'm soft spoken. I don't really speak much. When I do try to speak, it's something of importance. Mm-hmm. So I don't speak too much. So when that article came, out, a lot of people back home, you know, parent, I mean, you read the article. I mean, and. <laughs> You can imagine being a people named in their hand with you in and haven't heard it from me before. And they heard it the first time through that article. So it was a very controversial article. But yeah, I, I, I do remember. Definitely remember. Yeah, man, that was um, that was good. I, I didn't see what was the controversy, though. I didn't it didn't seem you know controversial what? to me. Yeah, it, I mean, it was some if, if, if you see the family dynamic. In there, <laughs> well, OK, OK. <laughs> being raised by grandparents. I got you. Parents not being in the picture. And you know me still being young and not knowing why they wasn't. I only heard the stories from the people who was around me. So then, when your parents do come into the pitch and they hear this, it's like I didn't know <laughs> that, or they trying to clear up on the accuracy of things. I understand. I, it, it, as soon as you said that, I was like, okay, <laughs> it was. Yeah. I wasn't even thinking family at the time when you said controversy. I, I was thinking, you know, more so friends and 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 just in general, the the city more so than just. Yeah, family. I, I can see that part, but uh, right. but yeah. And they said that, that you were in a program uh, that, that was there, Lake Clifton. Um, and what were your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, if it wasn't for that program, I wouldn't have been at Boston College. It was um one of the one of the longtime Maryland senators, um, mm-hmm. McFadden. Um, before he took over state, he was a powerful figure in, on the state level. Uh, I think he did some of the budget committee things like that. But before he took that position in politics, he w- he started that program in my high school. Okay. And that program initially said, okay, we're not going to leave no child behind, so we're going to give them the added resources they need to graduate high school and be in a competitive position to get into college. So, um, long story short, that program was there to catch us whenever we failed. Mm. And then, like I said, if I didn't have that program there to catch me, there's no telling where I would have been because they was doing everything from SAT prep to um, taking us to college campuses and standing for the whole summer, just keeping us away from all the distractions mm-hmm. um, so, so that we can focus on how you're learning. Mm. Man, yeah, that sounds like that. That's that's a that's a needed program. That's that's one of those things that uh, I'm not even aware if it's there now or not. If it's not, it's one of those things that should be funded because when we're talking about politics and it always weaves its way into this into, into these things right. because the, right. the that's something that sounds like it has more the bang for its buckets there. You know where mm-hmm. it, it's something that is valuable and if you're catching you know uh, kids at the right spot, they can stay on track. And you know, develop in, in, into great you, you know adults such as you had. Agree, agree, and that's and that's kind of the purpose it served. And I don't, I'm not in the, the high school game um, now as much, but I can I can tell those type of programs kind of fell off. They're not there in place the way they were, you know, 15, 20, 25 years ago. But they are much needed. Okay, so that that kind of segues into. You know where we're talking about with with the youth football and kind of that interaction. And, and before we just go into it, I would kind of like just to get a definition. When we say youth football, are we talking this uh, six to twelve range? Because high school, we're going to obviously cap that off because we're going to talk about that um, separately. So, youth football. What's the earliest age you can play football in? For the for the sake of this, we're going to say six to twelve. Is, does that make sense, or you can let me know? Yeah, I think I think six to twelve, six to thirteen is that range. Um, mm-hmm. Thirteen, depending on you know early birthday, late birthday. Okay, they're going to high school or not. Most coaches try to stay away from their high school kids, um, but in certain circumstances, that thirteen or fourteen may play back and play youth ball. Um, but I mean, you got some places as early as they'll take them as early as four years old. Um, whether they're playing flag or they're playing mm-hmm. equipment um, and, and it's really a parent so I think the youth is defined by the parent involvement mm-hmm. um, on top of age of course you got the age 6 to 12 6 to 13 but in youth sports the parents are more involved and even with the 4 and 5 they kind of dictate whether a 4 or 5 year olds want to play um, of course if you're running a program you want to start them as early as possible without all without um, having any hazards. Like me personally, I wouldn't recommend a child playing until maybe seven if they mm-hmm. can handle. I wouldn't do it before seven, but like I say, in a lot of cases they start at four and five years old. Okay, that, that's good. So we'll we'll go with the six to thirteen, and then we know that we have the the <laughs> the ones that are four. Those seem to be a little more rare, or in, in general. So, and at least from what I've seen in terms of. And my research, when they're looking at studying what's going on, they don't, they're starting at six. So we'll at least just start right there. Um, that's what that's what we just did with, with my son, with Patrick. He just 
you know, had his first season of flag. We, we started off with flag, considering moving on to tackle. Um, how would you alleviate the concerns of a parent who's saying, I don't know, I played football myself, so did you. So how do you alleviate those concerns when parents are saying concussions, the injuries? I don't know. I don't know, Coach Dennis. Right, right, right. Um, you don't hear it as much. I know usually with the um, the parents' decision, they're usually guided by other parents before they get to you. So, you know, if, they, if, they, if their girlfriend is playing or they got a, a sister who got her son in it, they kind of jump in it without posing those questions. They may do it before they get to me. But 90% of the time, they don't come with the concussion or the safety. Their mind is kind of made up getting into it. Um, and I would say a lot of them get into it, looking at this, looking for a male, a male figure, looking for a male role model for their son. So I think when they when they jump in it, um, for those reasons, we don't get posed a lot of the questions about the safety. But for the ones that do, um, I always ask them to make the final decision. We always got a period of spring practices, off-season drills, leading up to actually putting the equipment on. So it's always a try basis. Um, on my part as a coach, I'm looking for certain things. I ask the parent to look for certain things to make sure he's in the right mindset to even play football. Because, I mean, you know, like I know a lot of things that happen to like out of our control. I mean, you can practice and get the best um, fundamentals you, you can give, but that won't alleviate somebody getting hurt or getting a head injury. Um, mm-hmm. And you know how we played back in the day, and we didn't know what a concussion was. I mean, actually, <laughs> right, right. So, you know, on a severe end, that something could be wrong, but I'm quite sure you myself, we hadn't done practice just doing the drills and didn't really know, you know? So, I mean, you try to give them the best information, but at the end of the day, like I say, they're more, at that age, they're getting into it because they're looking for a father figure. They're looking for somebody to be a male role model to their son, but they're also jumping in because everybody else jumped in. Okay, that that makes a lot of sense right there. So we would so for you and your story, why youth football? How did you get into it? What what made you gravitate to want to coach and and start a program? Okay. Um, the funny thing, I, I think going back to BC, um, I knew coming out of BC, I probably would have been like a a low round draft pick or a free agent. Um, and I remember sitting at the table where one of the mess halls talking to like, you know, like Damian Woody and a lot of the guys at the table. Mm-hmm. He was one draft pick, so he was, he, he knew where his future was going to go with football. <laughs> right. I think at that time I realized, you know, I said I wouldn't, I think that time the league minimum was probably like 180000 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I would never play for that minimum right there. I'd rather go back and coach somebody else up that'll come years after me, and, you know, go ahead and go through the college ranks and make it to the pros. So I think I made my mind up at BC that that's what I wanted to do. That's interesting because I would say, like I said, when we came into the room, that makes sense because you were really like a coach in there as well. It was like you weren't, a lot of times with a college, at the college level, the next recruiting class coming in, they're coming to take your job, right? They, your replacement is, is coming in. I know the same thing at the NFL, they, they have that same idea high school maybe now but you really don't see it as much as you do at the college level but a lot of times people don't want to share information or don't want to tell you how to do something because if I show you how to do it you might do it better than me and then now they <laughs> I'm out of there and you in there but Dennis you never did that you shared the information so in how to run the routes where to stick where to plant you shared that so 
that right that right there is actually a logical sense for me to jump to say okay Dennis wants to coach because you were essentially doing that in any way <laughs> already you know as a, as a peer you were doing that so that 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 made sense I never thought about that kid I never thought about it like that and um and I would say even the way I approach being in college with the young guys that's the way you know Kenyatta Watson Greg Grice when I first went to DC mm-hmm. brought me under their wing you know, it was, never, it was never a competition thing. It was like, yo, if you get better, we all gonna get better. This team gonna get better. And them two was like the ones that gravitated towards me. It was like, yo, we gonna get you ready. Cause I had to, I, I played early, you know what I mean? I could have mm-hmm. played the true freshman, but I wound up playing as a red shirt freshman. But it was like that time went by fast and they knew like, you're gonna be on the field soon. Let's get you ready. Mm-hmm. And, um, but to say that too, I mean, you, you, you had them other receivers too that was like in competition. So you had to really fight mm-hmm. through this. You know, whether it was one thing or another, getting reps or not, look, not getting reps because, you know, nobody want to take them scout team reps. Right. So I just get into it, whatever receiver, they want to take, they want to pass the reps on to the young guy. Right. You know, it's kind of like, you know, housing. But, yep. uh, I mean, you, you, you get both sides there, but Greg Rice and King out of Watson, they showed me how to do it. So when it was my time, I did it the way they did it. Man, that, that that's that's good right there, and I, I think that legacy passed on. Hopefully, <laughs> it's still yeah. there from, from one to the next. I know, I know you took Dead under your wing, and I know Dead did that. Desert Dewar, shout out to Dead. I know he did that. You know, with, with somebody else, uh, Jay Burt, Jamal Burt, uh, Dewan came through there. Uh, Keith Hammond is a couple. Uh, Chris Barnes. Let me don't not name everybody. I can't remember everybody, but yeah, I think that you know was passed on. Um, but then you you start a program in 2002, so really like four years out of out of high, uh, out of college, and you you start a program. How does that work? Yeah, and I'm gonna correct you, man. We started a team in a park. Mm. That's what we did in 2002. We started one team. So when I left BC, I did coach with another program, um, but they was more like in the county. So I had to travel. We was we was actually taking kids from the inner city and taking them out to the county to play, but we didn't really have the programs in Baltimore City at that time. Mm-hmm. When that became a burden, we said, you know, let's, let's try to do something on our own. Okay. And we started one team in the park, man. We was I mean, we was like the, like the laughing stock of the city. I mean, you would drive down the street or see people mm-hmm. get on the bus, they see us in a little small place in the park. And we had that one team. Because nobody on that time had one team. We had a, a program with six, seven teams or you let somebody else, um, or, you just let, or you left it alone. And we kind of grinded from that one team. And um, like I say, the things we talked about in college, my thing was, you know, when I get out of here, this is what I'm going to do. When I had the opportunity to do it, that's how we put it together, put that one team together. Man, so you start from one team, and now you're rolling with how many teams you got now? Mm. You know what, KG? We start with that one team in 2002. And uh, we added a team, we added some more. Um, in 2012, we became the largest program Baltimore City ever seen. We had 19 football teams. 19? Um, we had 19 football teams. So you can imagine, we had like, we may have a six-year-old division and it was four teams. And we had a wow. 12-year-old division, it was three teams. So we was kind of competing against ourselves at one time. Mm. Um, before it just became too much to manage. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say that I throw the parents back in there because, you know, imagine having three different 13-year-old teams and, you know, one of them may be a little bit more successful than the other. 
Mm-hmm. And then you got parents from the other two things. They wonder why their child can't be on that team. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's hard to convince a coach and parents that, you know what, y'all the JV team or y'all the B team. So as as quickly as we got there, we had to kind of like give in and say, you know what, it's not going to work and we're going back down. So right now we have we have nine football teams, um, everything from um, age six to 14. Man, D, that's 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 excellent right there, brother. That's excellent, and, and to to be able to and I've seen that where you have the A and the B team. Um, I, yeah. I had it from in in me growing up. We I saw it differently where we move still within PG. We moved from Riverdale to to Mitchellville, but we played in Bowie, which is where I am now. But the program there was really it wasn't as integrated at the time. So we were this is like the early '90s coming in. And the team, we, my brother was like the only three or four, handful of black kids on the team. And right. they had went to national championship. They had won a Super Bowl the year before that at like 75 pounds. He came mm-hmm. in fast, athletic, can play. They put him at guard. My dad is a, is a PE teacher. He said, my, the fastest player on the team playing guard? <laughs> that right, that right. don't make sense. Man, put, put my boy on the, on the B team went on the B team and then the B team ended up being better than the A team because, you know, the politics that play in that. So I know there's a lot that goes into that in terms of managing the egos and playing time and who does what. So what is your coaching philosophy in in, in terms of that? And does it change? Does it, I would imagine it might evolve as you starting out with with your 7U team might get coached differently than your 13U team. Mm, Yeah, definitely. You know what, my philosophy, again, going back to BC, I think I've probably taken on every coach I've had at BC personality at one point or the other. <laughs> and, it's probably, and it's probably mixed in me, all, all of them at one time. Because <laughs> it's crazy. When I, when I first went to BC, I had Tom Kaufman. Mm-hmm. I, and I heard stories about He recruited me there, but he left before we actually started to see took the Jacksonville job. Oh, wow. But the stories I heard, I'm, 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 let me tell you how this story went right now. I go to BC on my visit. I'm late visit because BC had just, no, no, how, how did it happen? I forget how it happened, but I signed on late to BC. I was the last draft pick to come on. Okay. I went there. I did the weekend, you know, you know the usual thing on the visit. Mm-hmm. Hang, up, hang up with the fellas, go to the party, see the campus. Right. Take up to eat and everything. Official, official visit. Official visit, right. The last day I go meet with Tom Kaufman. And I go up into the office. And he's, um, you know, he gave me the whole speech, man. I watched the tape, man. We'd love to have you here. We'll put some size in, get in the weight room and everything. Boom, boom, boom. Before I even go see him, everybody already tell me, man, look, man, he's he rough, man. He's disciplined, man. He don't play no games. And I'm hearing this from the coaches and the players. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, man, what kept what I done got into? Everybody, they, they like, they walking on eggshells around this, man. You know what I mean? The whole thing. <laughs> but he getting this thing because you got to figure, he coming fresh off the... Notre Dame win of beating them when they number one. So mm-hmm. everything up and up for BC at this point. And when I talk to the assistant coaches, they like, you know, coach when you I mean they like uh Dennis when you go talk to the big man, you know, they trying to set me up, man. When you go talk to the big man, <laughs> ask him is he is he is he is he gonna stay here or not? So they put me up because nobody knows what he's gonna do. I'm I'm falling for the trap. So, oh, so you they, they got they got you the 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 the, the recruit <laughs> the high school senior to ask the, to ask the 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 uh the drill sergeant the general right is right. he leaving 
There you go. So you can tell how they, their relationship where they walk on pins and needles around. <laughs> like in the office, I fall for the okey doke. So I asked him, I said, you know, I'm hearing rumors that you may not be here. So I want to know, you know how long it's going to be. How long are you going to be here? And he told me like, man, look, rest assured, I'm be at BC for a long time. We're going to worry about that. We're going to get things built here and we're going to go with that. So I told the family father, I said, look, I'm just, I'm coming. I'm coming to BC. I'm showing up. So I leave that Sunday. I get to school Monday morning. And people around me, I said, you, 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 hear the, you heard the coach just left. This is the next day. <laughs> <laughs> this is the next day, KG. They like, yeah, you know the coaches. I said, the coach just left. So I, my parent, my, I wanted to call my grandmother. She's like, yeah, we just heard, we just did an interview that he's going to Jacksonville. He took the Jacksonville job. So I was like left in limbo for like another month because they had to go find another coach. Um, but luckily when mm. Coach Henning came in, he still honored the scholarship and brought me in. And that's how I kind of got in there. So going back to my coaching philosophy, I, I think when I first started coaching, I was I think I was more like Tom Coughlin, just that that guy that was that firm with everybody, you know, that's real firm on the details, just a, not a tyrant, but my style was more disciplined. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think when we when they brought Coach Hennon in, Coach Hennon brought you in, right? No, he was I was with O'Brien. I was right there after <laughs> I, was, I was with OB. <laughs> I didn't know that. I thought yeah. I thought he brought you in. Okay. Nah, so, man. Right after, the, after, this, after the gambling scandal, I was in there. <laughs> see, there you go. We talked about oh, yeah, So when Coach Henning came in, he was kind of the opposite of Coach Coughlin. He was more like, he would tell us, like, look, if something goes down, you're innocent before proving guilty. If you tell me the truth, <laughs> I got you. That was his thing. That was his style right there. Right. I, I'm, I'm going to go to war with you. Just tell me the truth. And then Tom O'Brien was different. Tom O'Brien was more, you guilty. <laughs> if something get back to me, you guilty. Right. <laughs> so O'Brien and Coughlin was real similar. Right. But Henning was like that. We can get away with something. We knew we can get away with something. You know I've mean? <laughs> seen the kind of result of that. But he was like a coach. He's like a player's coach, and we and we love that about him. Um, but yeah, my philosophy is more. I think man, just being firm, just being fair. I tried the discipline route, meaning, okay, we got ten football teams. We all going to dress alike, you know. We got ten football teams. We all going eat off the same plate. But when you get to the dynamic of, like, you again, what the parents want for their child and how they want to stand out, you find out real quick that that way don't work because everybody kind of want to stand out in their own kind of way. Nobody want to go along with the discipline um, for too long. You know, you say we're all, everybody, we're all white cliques, somebody gonna come with a pair of red cliques, you know, they want to stand out. <laughs> and that's kind of the pitfalls of youth football, trying to get everybody on the same page, but you fighting against this wave of, look at me. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the the other part, a key factor for me in not just youth football, but youth sports in general, because I've done uh, some some coaching myself, my my kids out here. So uh, if, if I feel as though they need some help coaching, I'll you know go out, go ahead and hop out there. So uh, fun, like for me, it's like it still has to be fun. This is a game we should have fun. If we're not having fun, then we're not you know doing it. And I think kind of what you were, were were talking about with your philosophy is that this discipline can't and, and winning can't be the only thing. Yes, it's fun when we win. We we understand that. But at the same time, it can't be to the point where I'm running them off because they never having fun because I just drill them so much. Right. So 
I, th- I think that's a key for for the youth that you got to make it fun. Right, right, right. And, and you said that that balance right there is a whole key. I think that that's what we kind of see on a on a college level with the Deion Sanders thing going on, where these college coaches understand like I can't run it the way they ran it 20, 30 years ago. You know, these are different kids. It's a different world. And I got to kind of bring a balance. I kind of, I got to kind of step into their world a little bit in order to pique their interest. You know, you're seeing college coaches on, you know, they in the locker room dancing and singing with the kids because that's part of the recruiting job. That's part of the, mm-hmm. you know, let's, let us connect some kind of way so we can keep this thing going. Right. And uh, I haven't gotten to that level with me, but I've always been able to offset my assistant coaches with guys who can bring those things to the table that I can't bring because I'm more firm. I'm more straight ahead. But I surround myself with guys who can be more players, coaches, you know, to keep our thing going. I was going to say, I was going to say, if we got video uh, uh, of Dennis out here, you know, uh, 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 dancing, doing a TikTok dance, then, hey, you, uh, <laughs> you might have to, then we, we, might be, we might be on or something. I, I wouldn't think I would see uh, Dennis doing that. But, hey, I understand yeah. you got to do what you got to do to, you know what I'm saying, engage and be there with your players. You'll never, you'll never see it. You'll never see it. <laughs> <laughs> it won't happen. I don't know if we. It, they, it's probably a Wu Tang uh, TikTok com- coming soon or something. Or if it was, <laughs> doesn't exist. Oh, that might yeah. be the one. If players, if y'all hear that, if y'all, if y'all get uh, uh, Coach Coach Dennis with a with a TikTok Wu Tang, you might be able to <laughs> get him to do something. That might be the one. That might be the one. KG. <laughs> now, the the part for me is that Pop Warner County. Uh, CYO when we were coming up now it seems like it's 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 beyond that or at least for me from from what I'm looking at there's there's so many different options and can you can you break down that like how many different national organizations are there and what are we talking about you you're with uh is it AYF so um, AYF w- w- what's that about yeah that's a that's a that's an excellent question right there um I would start with the grand, the, the granddaddy of them all is Pop Warner, um, where used to take place at Wild World of Sports in Florida. Um, they had a lock on what you would call uh, what's national championships, what's the national tournament to determine the national champion, mm-hmm. meaning they had a lock on pretty much every state. Um, they would do a local qualifier down to a state qualifier and a regional champion to determine who comes to Florida. Um, there's normally an eight bracket seeding per age group you bring eight from all your eight regions and then they compete for a national championship and for many years the only national carrier of that was the pop warner brand okay uh, i think i think since covid pop warner has been moved from wild world so they don't do it at wild world of sports no more um and i would say this too when pop warner did their national they were strict on the age and the weight criteria Meaning, um, if if I had what you call a seven nine, let's say an eight ten division, mm-hmm. in an eight ten division, I'm not I'm not really gonna carry no eight and nine years. It's strictly ten years, and what they would call older but lighter. I would have smaller eleven years playing with the tens. Mm-hmm. So on an eight ten division, I'm pretty much got ten years that got to make a weight requirement, and I got these small elevens. Mm-hmm. And all the ages are determined by whatever you are on August the first. Okay. Uh, so if you can think about that on August the first, um, if I turn if I turn twelve on August the second, I'm considered an eleven year old. 
Right. Okay. That's what every coach has to understand before they recruit their players because that's what you want. At that time, when they had older but lighter or any age, that's what you want on your team. You want guys who's going to turn a different age in August. That's mm-hmm. the that's really the whole key right there because then you're getting a mature kid. He's a little bit more developed. You know, I'd rather have a kid that's turning. If I if I got 11 year old kids, I'd rather have as many kids turning 12 in August and September than my opponent because right. it's a different between turning 12 playing 11 year olds or just turning 11 in June. If you know what I mean. I do, but yeah, on a on a on a on a similar note. We had that with uh, with my daughter, my kids. They swim as well, so they got a they call it a swimming birthday. So a good swimming birthday for for the summer. The cutoff is is June thirtieth. So right. my, uh, Sophia, her birthday is is July, beginning of July the second. So right. she's able to swim with the the younger group because her birthday is behind that. So yes, so you're able to to do that. So I understand that completely, and I think that's a, a hard thing for a lot of. It, with that youth part, it's like that that birthday cutoff makes it difficult um, for some. But once you understand it, then it's like, all right, now I know strategy wise because that's what I just heard you giving some strategy, giving some game. Or, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna put y'all on this team, and I got this many. Uh, when your birthday? Okay, you look like you big body, but when your birthday? <laughs> so. there you go. There you go. That the birthday is the whole key right there. Like once you see that, you see the eye test. Mm-hmm. And he tells you his birthday is August the third August. That's a whole nother level kid right there. Right. Pre- presumably, you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, so like I say, going back to national, AYF had a lock on that. This, this, is the, this is the age you must be. This is the weight you must be. And when you got to be that weight, and this is how we bring all these regions across the country together to Florida for a national championship. Um, what happened with Pop Warner was they held on to the age weight criteria for too long. Because as they, as, as, as they was holding on to that criteria, there were others out there looking to just go with the unlimited weight. So unlimited just means, okay, you still have to be this age, but your weight don't matter no more. So we're not gonna put you on a scale before every game. Your kid don't gotta sweat down like he wrestling or something like that. So now, this kid who used to have to sweat it down. Coach got three, four kids. He got to take to the sauna and mm-hmm. make them put the bag. The coach ain't got to do that no more. Right, get your trash bag on and yeah, you know what I mean. So Pop sauna Warner, was, there you go. Pop Warner was holding on to that while they was trying to build a monster with the unlimited weights. So AYF, which is American Youth Football, they do their tournament down in Orlando as well. Um, they didn't have that venue like Wild World of Sports, but they had a good enough venue to kind of um, insert themselves into the national market. AYF started off with the same criteria Pop Warner had with the weighted divisions, but they understood too there was a growing number of programs around the country who, you know, they, they always done unlimited. So what AYF wound up doing was doing half half weighted and half unlimited, and to the point now where they kicked the whole weighted thing out and then now unlimited. Mm. So unlimited is more more just age restricted only. Yes, or age restricted only. So you okay. still gotta follow the age guidelines of when I think theirs is July 31st. Um gotta be the right age, but mm-hmm. now your weight don't matter. Okay. And, and I kinda and, I, I kinda agree with that to the to the point that 
later on it gets to that point. And then you had, you used to have it where you had guys that were too big. So you had the big boys who couldn't play until high school anyway. Um, there's something to be said for that too, though, because they still end up in the NFL anyway. And they only play <laughs> in high school. They never, they never, only, they never so. played Pop Warner. They never, never. played that. Exactly. So, so imagine, I mean, you can damn near every, damn near every big guy that probably played with us at BC, they probably didn't play Pop Warner. Not at all. You know what I mean? So they they came with that skill set. That's from high school, maybe mm-hmm. some middle school football. But they didn't play when they were six, seven, eight years old. Right. And like you said, when you if you a high school coach, you want those, and yeah, you're coming to your school. You want those skilled big men. Mm-hmm. That's what AYF they they catered to that market, saying you know what, your size don't matter. Um, there are things to consider with that because some of the questions are now is like, well, at what age do you do absolute unlimited? because we're starting them off at five and six year old. Because what you'll have is, if you don't put further stipulation into it, meaning, and you got some leagues, local leagues that will say, okay, we're unlimited, but I am going to put a weight restriction on who can run the ball and who can't run the ball. Because what some coaches will do, they just, just get a biggest guy the ball. And then you got a big seven-year-old that's 140 pounds running the ball. And these mm. little fifty-pound kids can't tackle. But not it's not on skill; it's just the fear of right. I can't get this big kid. Right. So some leagues come in and say, you know what? We are unlimited, but only across our line. You're okay. running, and your skills still got to uh, be under a certain amount of weight. Okay. Um, so to answer your question, they are three. Can't touch the ball or something, right? I've I, I yeah, just got into the. the okay. They can't touch the ball, and they can't play on special teams running down the field with those long collisions um, okay. just across the O and D line. So to answer your question, there's like three primary national champ, uh, national tournaments and Pop, you have Pop Warner, mm-hmm. you have EYF, which is American League Football, and then you have a third one that started maybe within the last 10 years called UYFL. Okay. Um, they, all, they all three have national champions, but out of the three, AYF is probably I would say the more dominant, more competitive, um, okay. have the most teams qualifying from these different regions. Man, good discussion here. You 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 giving us you know the, some game. You giving us some strategy. You, you you're telling us how you you break it down. How you might analyze your players. Uh, there's another hot button topic that I want to get your 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 uh, opinion on trophies. Participation, that is. <laughs> Participation trophies have, have become, uh, a, 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 you know, a flashpoint, a lightning rod for some people. Um, what, is, what is your thoughts on participation trophies? Yeah, um, I think there's different perspectives on it. And t- I, I, I would definitely, I mean, of course, when, when that comes to mind, I'm thinking of, okay, I'm at a banquet. We're giving out awards. This team... They probably didn't win no games this year. They and everybody gonna get this trophy. You know, they clap it up for them to get their trophy, go home and put it on their mantle. I, I would say the, the and I don't wanna go off topic, but for some people, for some kids at an early age to step into football, it takes a lot more from them to do that than others. I mean, some kids are just athletic, they they're gifted at a young age. And you got mm-hmm. some, they kind of getting into it. It may not be the right, they may not even be a football player two, three years from now, but they they, they they signed up, they went through the training, they went through the practice, they stuck it out. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a, a, an adult task of starting something and completing it. Correct. You know, 
Um, if I was to call it participation, I would be against using that word more than mm-hmm. the trophy. But mm-hmm. I am in favor of give awarding the kid at the end of the season and telling him what you're awarding him for. Mm-hmm. You know, I am in favor of that. Meaning, um, and I can give an example. Like we used to do big banquets of like all of our teams at one time. Mm-hmm. Because we had so many kids there, we would just call them up, you know, 13 new team, come on up. And we would give them a trophy, say a little bit about the team and not the individual. Mm-hmm. And that was more participation because they were getting these trophies just based on, it was a banquet that day. You know what I mean? We gave out trophies. That, that's part of the, that's part of the choir. Right. For playing football. Right. You know? Right. So I took the coach, I said, I said, we need to do more personalized banquets where we got enough time to speak directly to the children. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Speak and let them know, okay, you wasn't like this kid who scored 30 touchdowns, but you did bring something to the team. You, something happened right. with you this year. You know what I mean? You got better as a person and let him know the reason why he's getting the award rather than just, you know, do it vaguely because right. you played. So to answer that, I, I am against what they would call participation mm-hmm. trophies. The kid need to know why he's being awarded or not being rewarded. Mm. Again, I mean, that's the wisdom you get with, with Coach D here, man. You get that, you know what I'm saying? You you um you said no, but then at the same time I heard yes. So I heard you say I heard I heard two answers there, and I'm in line with that because I would say, uh, tell me why a varsity letter or a varsity jacket isn't a participation trophy. I'm just throwing that out there because we gotta look at it, you know, from that perspective. Why isn't what's the difference? As you said, if you start it, you finish it. I kind of ended as that. And I want to, my own, my only uh, argument against the participation trophy, I'm not, I don't have a problem with it. I just say that at the end of the day, the kids know who won. They know who the best is. So if, they, if there is, I don't think there's a kid that's going to come out here and take this and say, look, I got this trophy. I'm the best <laughs> when they know that, mm. that they got ran mm. out there. You know what I'm saying? You know, if this kid, he scored four touchdowns. Everybody know that, you know, he liked that. There is no question or, you know, who the best is. So I think it's a little bit of, of splitting hairs and more of the adults back to the parents. It's a bigger issue for the parents than it is for the players. The kids understand, you know, who who did what. And they, okay, they got a trophy. They might be happy, but they go throw that thing away and keep it moving. Can you, where's that trophy from? Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Our team was trash. KG, you hit it too. Um, and I, I didn't think of that, but over the years, the reaction, because <laughs> like you see, sometimes when you give these trophies out, you're giving them out after a while to keep the parents in your program. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it goes from doing what you know is right and what you have to do to like, I better do something to keep it. And I'll say this, look, if we had a time we would give out MVP trophies, you know, defensive MVP, offensive team MVP. Mm-hmm. And them parents, they come there looking for them awards. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. when, when their child names don't get called up for that, man, they they off, not off the chain, mean disrespectful, but in their mind, it's like, man, look, coach, he's slipping because my son did this, he did that coach. And they want to have conversations about why their son didn't get the MVP. Right. And, they, and in some cases, they'll keep it moving to another program because they feel like you're not you're neglecting their son. So, even when you see coaches giving out trophies, you may have some that got reservations about, you know, I don't know about this participation thing, but if you want to keep certain kids, you better kind of do what the parent one. That's, that's, that's a parent trophy. I and mean, right now, <laughs> right. trophies, they, they parent trophies right now. They ain't kid trophies no more. 
Wow. Yeah, man, I, I didn't even think about that, but I could see that being an issue too, because if you got uh, one of these programs that might be loaded, so you might have, you know, a handful of kids and they all nice. And then it's kind of hard. You, you, you tend to give, you know, one player gets, you know, the bulk of the carries, touches, whatever, touchdowns, scores, tackles. And then it's like, who was the MVP? What do you do? You know, is do you, you might do like you said, offense and defense, and then this third person was just as good, and now they mad because they didn't get it. But it's like, yeah, I can only give it to one. I got three co MVPs. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep. yep. So even that, any trophy can present a problem because now it's like I should have got it. I was, you know the one who should have got it, man. Right, um, right, right. Uh, uh, another couple things, but man, this is this is, this is is going well. Do you, you really giving us, like I said, schooling us on on this youth level. What's going on with this fundraiser life? So I, I remember distinctly uh, World's Famous Chocolate, Katie Dids. Uh, what, what other fundraisers did we have? Um, donuts, <laughs> you, you name it. So what do you do with that because you're not um you don't have a title sponsor or like a lot of programs don't have somebody just coming in and funding their organization um how, how does that work yeah i mean like you like you see the, the budget as a whole i think it's like a, um we've had successful fundraising we've had some that just you know tank you know what i'm saying because no matter what you have to do to stay afloat um, but I, I think I think the key to it is really allowing the parents to understand, fully understand what's going on at your program and what's going on with youth football in general. Because they come in with the mind state that we get paid, you know what I'm saying? We're making all this money off for of them. This is our job. Uh, um, um, do the city take care of us? And how, are we connected to the city, the government? Like, why don't we have these things? Why we got to charge them? Why we got to have them go out and fundraise? Mm -hmm. So... I think the key to fundraising is having the parent understand what the hell is going on. And <laughs> right. once we understand what's going on, like, look, we do this voluntarily. We don't, you know, we take our own time out to do this. We don't get paid. Um, the government has no, because my program, we're not part of a recreation. We're, we're pretty much independent. Mm -hmm. So everything we bring in got to come in from either registration, fundraisers, or sponsors to get the kids that they need. Um, the one problem that we have in Baltimore is that we just saturated with new football programs. I think the success that we've had, not only my program, but a few others, has kind of like, it just, um, it, it, it helped saturate the city with a few football, other guys that want to go out and coach and start programs. It, it feels like, for, for me, outside looking in, it feels like, you know, like like rap labels. <laughs> I got a label. I got a label. I got a, come sign with me. Come sign with me. It's like, the early 90s what we was used to in our era was like everybody had a label and they you know churning them churning them out you turn around and it feels like some of these programs you know like as you said fly by night that's a, a testament to your program you've been in the game this long and you're still there so if I'm looking at a program as a parent I'm I'm going to look at that how long have you been doing this What, what what's going on what right. you, you know so you got some longevity so starting out you had to deal with those bumps but now you can come and say well i come here because we've been here we're not new to this we've been here right 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 and not to get off top with the fundraiser but like you say yeah um your track record says a lot you know what the community say about you says a lot 
that's why we've been doing it for coming up on thing next year be 20 years mm. um but um that what we talked about before that relationship with the coaches and the parents is like that's the gold mine right there because I'm an old man in this in this game. I mean, by any match, I'm going on. I'm middle fifties. I'm in middle forties right now. So, I'm hold up, dude. How old? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm middle. I'm ringing right. <laughs> but yeah, uh, being forty five, it's an old. I'm, a, I'm an old man in a young man's game. When I say young man, because I coach six, seven, eight year olds who have parents that are still in their late twenties. Right. So if another coach got that connection, he went to school with mom or dad, or they grew up together, they know each other, they going to go what they know is familiar. So mm-hmm. it's like unheard of me being 45, not unheard of, but it makes it a little harder when I'm in my 40s trying to coach seven year olds and relate to parents that could be my children. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I carry the. My, my age is totally different. Like you say, it's off experience, it's off of know how, it's off of. I can be that role model man your ch- your children need to see. I got to kind of flip it a little bit because inst- instinctively a parent's gonna go to what they know and that young coach, you know, because they got some type of connection. But fundraising got to speak to all that. Um, right now, they, I mean, people do everything with fundraising in terms of, like you say, the donuts and cookies. And I see the soccer programs; they got you know some good things. They do the fundraising, but it has to be done because if you don't do the fundraising. You're going to charge people in a saturated market up to two and three hundred dollars to play football without doing fundraising. And like I said, in my in my city is so like I said, it's so crowded. You got to kind of offer the the best registration package you can. You can't be charging two three hundred dollars. You got to charge that that hundred and one fifty. But now you're going to leave holes in your budget. Um, just to give you an example, we play on a turf field with lights. You know, because our neighborhood, we don't have no life. We don't have a field that we, we the field that we practice on, we can't put the kids, it's not safe for the kids want to play football. So we rent a field that charges us every game. This is not including referees. We got to pay $1,700 just to rent the field. Wow. For one that, day? Just for just for a Saturday to have your game? One Saturday. Wow. And that's not including the other fifteen hundred dollars you got to pay to the referees for that day. So we're paying. That's 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 where is that? That's that's Harford County or that's Baltimore? That's um we play in what you uh in Carroll County. Oh, Carroll County. Okay. I'm in Cecil County. I live in Cecil County, but I travel to Baltimore to okay. coach. That's about mm-hmm. an hour away, about an hour and some change okay. away. And mm-hmm. then we play another forty-five minutes away on a like Northwest Maryland, mm-hmm. where they call. Carroll County is like where you got like Westminster. Mm-hmm. Sy- Sykesville. Okay. Matter of fact, only, only, only is in our league. So only plays in our league. I know you're familiar with only. Yeah. So only, only plays in our league. Now um, we went to uh, we, my son had a had a had a baseball game, baseball tournament that was in uh, they what did they say? I forgot what it was called. But I went through almost it, it was like eight counties. It seemed like it was. I'm like, I'm exaggerating, but you know I was, I'm in PG. We went through Anne Arundel, Howard, Carroll, Fort Cedric. A second Frederick and ended up in, Mon- in Montgomery. So that little stretch on 70 that right. I didn't even know Carroll County was that close to, no. to Montgomery no. County. I was I was shocked. I was like, I didn't know that Carroll County, really? I thought Carroll County was like, I, I don't know, but nowhere close to Montgomery County. Yeah, you hit it. And, and I just found out this year just by traveling up 70, like, you know what? This is Carroll County right here, but Montgomery is right there. 
And the team that the teams that we play is off that corridor right there. Okay. Most of the teams that we play. So yeah, I, I learned that firsthand this year. With 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 those fees, man, you you, you gotta fundraise. But mm-hmm. you know, what fundraisers to do, you gotta be real creative with that because parents don't just wanna go selling them raffle tickets and right. put the box of candy up at work and all that. They all got their things on what they need. Right. So you gotta feel strategic with that. The the one that we did this year that I hadn't done was that was the um the popcorn. That was that was a um well, you didn't have to touch it. You just, they drop ship it. So you just text out, put it out. Yeah, I, was, I was, man, they raised, we raised like uh, five grand in like a week. It's only, it's like a short, it's like a four day period. And you get half of the money, 50% go to, to the team. So whatever you raise, you get 50%. And then they, uh, they ship the, uh, the popcorn goes straight to, to the, to the home. So you don't even have to take in any inventory. So yeah, that's a good look right there. That's a good look. I'll, uh, I'll send that, send that to you if you haven't done it. Yeah, um, definitely. How's the setup, the system for it? I mean, you just, you just, you, you send out, you text it, or you do social media, and then you say, "Hey, this is." Um, you set up a page for your for the for the player, and you obviously say, "Hey, we're we're fundraising for whatever." You put it out there, and then you send an um, email or text, social media, share it, and then people click the link, and then they order, and then boom, they put in their information, they submit mm-hmm. payment, and then the company gives the team, the organization, the money. Um, I think it took, it's a four day period for you to order. And then I think they, I think we got the money within like, you know, a couple of weeks. I wasn't, I wasn't that involved into when, when we received the money, but from what they told me, I mean, we got the, we got the popcorn delivered. We, we ordered it, it ended whatever the day it ended. We got it that next week. That's a good look. That's a good look. Yeah. yeah. Um, so before we end, what we didn't touch on was that uh, girls, so we know that that it, football has traditionally been for boys, and even I remember playing against a couple girls at the youth level. Um, actually, even at BC, <laughs> you were gone, but when we played in the um, Insight.com in '99, right after you left, we played out in um, in Arizona, and we played Colorado. Got smoked out there, but they had a uh, they had a kicker. Um, uh, female, female. Yep, I can't remember her name. She wasn't the starting kicker. Right, right, she was, on, but she was, she was there. She was on the roster in the uniform um, at Colorado. I cannot recall her name. Kelly Nida, I believe it was. But yeah, yeah. so it, those seem to be the positions. But you do have um, girls having more of an interest, and probably what I could see is um, at at the flag level, you could see. Or in the, in the flag game, I can see girls out there um, doing that. What have, what, have, what have you seen over the years and, and currently right now with girls in football? Yeah, I've seen them scattered over the years. You know, you may go to a program, they got a girl on this team or that team. But mm-hmm. it's, it's fun to mention that because we've never had a girl in our program until this year. We had like three girls. Mm. The first 18 years, we had no girls. And then all of a sudden this year, we had three in the program. Mm. And when we went to play other teams, I noticed it was more girls playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what's, what's causing that. I don't know what's going on. I need to look at that a little further, but we had a lot more girls. Either their parents are willing to put them into it and they just feel like they can they can handle it. And I mean, mm-hmm. every, I mean from seven on up. Um, the one team that we played this year in the championship, the seven-year-olds, their star running back was a girl. And wow. she was like, she was the best defender and she was the best, <laughs> player, you know what I mean? She was, she came with it. I mean, she was bigger than the boys. I think for some reason, some of the girls got like a, it's almost like they got a, 
at that six, seven, eight, they're bigger than a lot of the boys, mm-hmm. uh, growth spurt wise. Right. So, I mean, they got good size, good athletic ability. I don't know where to draw the lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm good. Just, just off of, if you ask me, I was I would be more hesitant as they got older. Mm-hmm. Game speeded up, and the boys would get a little bit more skill. Right. But um, at the younger levels, I see no problem with it because the teams I've seen, they've been a dominant piece of those younger teams. Yeah, when it's essentially the same as, as any other sport where it's co-ed at that age. Typically, you you would start out if you're playing basketball, baseball, soccer, uh, starting out, it's co-ed. And then it, as you get, like you just said, as you get older, then it starts to become, you know, mm-hmm. separated. So I, I can see that. So you, it sounds like you went up against, uh, up against uh, Rudy Huxtable. So back with yeah, the college show, we yeah, I, 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 I remember seeing Rudy highlights back then. Right about that. Right. That, that look, you, you hit on that. She was a Rudy Huxley. She went she out there, got, got busy, gave y'all some touchdowns and you know some celebration she, she, dances. Yeah, she she was the one. I mean, she filled the hole. You know I mean, she played linebacker, mm. tailback, and like I said, we had the game plan for her because she was she was she, she was the business. <laughs> she was a problem. With, with D, any um any anything you gotta promote, anything you wanted to give a shout out to, uh if you wanna, you know, fundraiser, how can people reach you? We got, you know, any any social media you wanna share? I don't have nothing personally, but I would like to say just um to anybody that would listen to see the broadcast, man, just um we living in the times, man, where like things are just uncertain, man, in terms of you know, speaking to people and not seeing them, um, we we losing a lot of people for whatever reason or another. I don't I don't know what's going on with these times, but I've lost a lot of people these last two years. And um, one of one of my coaches uh, that I coached my long term coach that went on these championship runs with me, I lost him last November, and then we lost it. And he was he was the victim of like a brutal murder. I mean, I'm mm. just trying to, I'm just trying to speak out that it's not just you know. COVID or nothing like that. Mm-hmm. But he, he had just got married, moved on with his life, and he was uh he's brutally murdered by his wife's son's child. Mm-hmm. I mean wife's his wife's son's father. Sorry mm-hmm. about that. And um and that was like a childhood friend. And I just lost another coach, um, a parent heart attack. He's on his way to pick up a kid for practice. He pull over on the road and have a heart attack right there. You know what I mean? So that's anything from like health to you know, stay up on your health, man. I mean, I don't care what age you are, especially guys in their 40s, 50s, stay up on your health game, man. Um, find alternative medicines and herbs and you know, do your own research, man, that's going to you know, do things to keep you healthy and, and keep you around for a long, long time. And I see all that to say, man, we got to really keen in on what we create in terms of legacy mm-hmm. and putting out the best type of legacy because we all got an expiration date. And hopefully, you know, our story, our life experience, our lessons don't end with us. It's mm-hmm. a way that we can um, catalog those things and pass them on to the new gen- to a, to a future generation so we're not getting lost. So I can just think of things where, um, you know, we're not getting the same advice we got from our grandparents and great-grandparents that we just get when we were younger. You know, a lot of those kind of getting lost, the lessons of just how to deal with each other and how to keep the family together and how to survive through tough times and just those just those key elements of an older person passing on legacy from the past to us. But 
in terms of health, man, and keeping ourselves around, man. Just you know, hold on to your loved ones, man. Even, even. I mean, and I, I don't want to go off topic. I know me, some of the guys that graduated with me, Greg Bartlett, Willie Wright, guys that you know. We try to Michael, Mike Bullock. We try to make it our point to get on the phone and speak to each other, man. Every so often, mm. you know, because we cherish those memories, but also we don't want to feel like we shorted our relationships, man. Don't short your relationship. Just go out and, you know, let your loved ones know you love them. Spend time with you. Get somebody a call that you've been putting off for a while, and um, make the most of this moment because we don't, we don't, we don't know how long we got. Mm, man, always some wisdom. That the always coach, coach Dennis Harden giving us, you know, uh, that 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 real wisdom that we need. And again, it's actually something that we <laughs> that we didn't get into that you kind of touched upon. That I do want before we end. I do want to get get to that. Is you talked about a father figure, strong male presence, lack of one, and and you kind of being that, or coaches in in football coming to get that what does that say with your program in terms uh, of mentorship and we and we got to connect it to the next level so I know this is a, a lot right here <laughs> but um, right. with your program what do you do um, in terms of coaching I just had a I just had a um, uh, a, a conference I guess I'm helping coach my son's basketball team so the training that we had to, to go through the um, one of the trainings was identify a coach. Coach Tom Kohler was was my high school coach. Just passed away this year, as you just talked about many of the different people. Uh, they just established a, a, uh, a um, scholarship in his name, but he, and you had to talk about him, so I'm going to say it here. What he did for us was this was a high school coach. He was faculty at our, at our high school for like 50 years, but he what he did for me was he allowed us to to more so fill ourselves and kind of okay. You think you're grown? He didn't give us a bunch of rules. You would say it was the player's coach, but he just said he 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 pretty much let us almost be self-run. But it was he was like this is what we're doing, and he had a he had a vision where he was like I'm gonna let y'all lead. I'm gonna let y'all. This is your team. I'm here, you know, the one the adult responsible for it. But I'm gonna put this here, and if there were things that we had and we wanted to, you know, we 17, 18, oh, we should do this. I'm, I'm driving now. I'm getting ready to go to college. He would take in our input and let us kind of not run it completely because obviously he was in charge. But he gave, he was, he empowered us. That was it. He empowered us being that, and he did that in the classroom. He was a history and accounting teacher. He he did that same thing for all his students. So it wasn't just for his players, but um, I, I think I've seen that in social media with you. So can you speak to that in terms of how you're mentoring your players and, and helping them out and how you don't, once they're no longer your player, you don't lose contact with Coach Dennis. I can still contact Coach D um, later on in life. Right, right. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's big right there, KG. Um, and that's, and, uh, that's the big piece, man, because... Um, hmm. And I've been sitting there thinking of a lot of the players after they leave because we we really got to the point where we had to almost force in a mentor. We have a mentoring program. We had to kind of force it in because, like I said, you was hearing different stories of, of former players. Now he's arrested. He, had, he got a gun charge or he just got a murder or he was just killed. Or, you know, I mean, and of course, on the flip side, you get the kids to go to college and they're success stories. But... We was getting those other stories, you know. What I mean, so we had to step our game up on the, on the mentoring piece. So we we ha- we actually have a mentoring program 
Um, one of the requirements is that you have to um, not only have a mentor through the coaches, but you also have to have a, um, a therapist. So you would, you would have a therapist slash mentor, but the mentor came mm. in the form of as coaches. And it was just so needed because the family dynamic, you know, mm-hmm. just, uh, beyond the child, just the, the family dynamic was calling for a mentorship where almost every piece of that family needed that kind of mentorship. Mm-hmm. And for the last two years, that's been kind of our model. That's the model we've added to our program, having a mentorship, because for some of them, I think we take for granted as coaches how, how much not only time we occupy with the kid playing with our program, but how much of an outlet we are for them, especially in the inner city. And then we seen once they didn't have the program and have football no more, they kind of opened themselves up to things in the community that they shouldn't have. And that's kind of where we get. We, we got forward to work and be effective. We have to mentor them from not just the sport, but like I say, through high school, through college and beyond. Similar to the program I was telling you about I went through when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Because all you need is that dry spell of a month or two or maybe a year for them mm-hmm. to focus into something, man. And it's we, we know we can't save them all. I hate saying that we can't save them all, but we can save more than what we're saving. Mm-hmm. And I think mentorship is the key. I mm-hmm. think, you know, for, the, for as many that need it, I can honestly say I can't be there for all of them. And that's why we kind of, you, you may see me on Facebook reaching out like, I need some business mentors, some guys, some career mentors, because we got to put them on to guys like you, KG, that's, you know, good father figure, good role model, a guy mm-hmm. that can speak from outside of your parent and kind of reiterate the things that they need to hear. You know, the more, it's kind of what you were saying before, I take every program I've seen be effective have, has come from the, the, and I mean, in terms of youth programs, they've they've been effective because they've they've been youth led and youth run, mm-hmm. the youth powered. They right. wasn't just being dictated to. They just wasn't being lectured because that style is out the door. That's done, you know. Right. So as you're speaking on, you know, what you went through at, at, with your high school coach, we're trying to implement now at this program. I think that's the most effective model is to empower them, to let them know you really hear them, and that. You know, their input really means something. I think once you buy them in off of that and y'all can kind of have that dialogue, you're more easily you're more easily um, able to go in and, um, you know, do your mental work. Okay. And then and then, and then the piece connecting to, to, to the high school. So do we have coaches coming in, you know, looking at looking at players and you got, you know, this guy here, has that changed that dynamic? Um, so going from starting at the youth level and then step two would be at the high school level. Where is that connection between the, the bridge and the gap between those two? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's what we heard from here in Baltimore. We don't have that connection of youth, high school, college. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I, would, I would even just just even just on the coaching tip and how to relate to players. I think, of course, out in Maryland, the University of Maryland is probably the staple in terms of the next level football program. Um, you got your little guys and you got your Morgan States and Towson States and smaller schools in there. But I don't think they do enough on their level to kind of give back on a mentorship to the high schools and then the high schools to the youth. Mm-hmm. You know, you just asking that question, I think that's kind of the remedy as we prepare these young men for life and mm-hmm. prepare them for the real world is having to bridge those gaps between college, high school, 
and youth and we all kind of feed from each other mm. instead of holding what we know and using it as an advantage. I think the more we bridge that gap and we can all talk about it because right now there is a disconnect between going from youth to high school and choosing what school is the right school. Because right now it's just a popularity contest. This school been winning, that's where I want to go. If I can't go in, I'll go to the next school that's winning. But there's nothing really set up in these institutions where it's like, you know, they really going to mold me for life. Mm-hmm. And they're really, because I mean, you went to a prep school, you know, you went to a prep school. Um, you know, oh, 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 wait, let's, 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 it, it, it's levels to this, as we know. <laughs> it's it's right, levels right. to this. It, mm-hmm. uh, all I'm going to say is the good council that we have now was not the good council I went to. The good council I went to was probably more like, um, actually, Mount St. Joe's is our, was our, we were, we were both run by the uh, Zaverian brothers. Um, right. So whatever that is, and I know, and I'm not downgrading them because that's where I came from. You know, I it's like I'm familiar with Mount Saint. I coached at Mount Saint Joe. Right. Yeah. And but um, coming from Lake Clifton, being from a city school, you're probably still saying, "Well, no, that that's still nicer than what <laughs> you know." Say it's still, and, it's still and, 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 and that's my perspective. That's, <laughs> so, that's my perspective. Right. So, so not, I, I know exactly where you're going with. It's definitely levels to it. And good council is probably closer to now being a Gilman. They're probably right. closer to that. Gilman was at that yeah. in, in the and Georgetown did, prep in Atlanta. Right. right. So now we're closer. We're not bored, no, but we're um, so we're not. We were more in the community and more connected to the community. Whereas now, right. when we moved to Olney, we kind of got brand new. So we we mm-hmm. upgraded. <laughs> It, 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 I'm glad, I'm glad, that makes sense. Make a lot of sense, right? I didn't know that. And um, I've been to Good Council. I've been to Georgetown Prep. Just playing them schools. I mean, even when I was at Lake Clifton, we played a lot of the prep school. We was probably the only city team playing Gilman and Calvin Hall and Loyola. So mm-hmm. that's that's kind of what got me on the radar of Division One schools playing them. Mm-hmm. But I knew that, I knew it was even later on. I learned less. You know, just going to Calvin Hall or going to the St. Joe, they got like a a time structure there that favors more what you would see in college mm-hmm. versus what we did at Lake Clifton where it was more like my, <laughs> we've been a we've been a lunch room for three and four periods. We just we just swapping lunch rooms. I go from this lunch room to that lunch room. And that was my day. And there was no accountability to that. You know what I'm saying? So right. it was like, you know, just um Which 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 we would say we laughing at, but it, it really shouldn't even be that way, to be honest. Right. 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 It shouldn't even be that way. It shouldn't you be know. Right. Yeah. Some some of that some of that speaks to the low expectations that that are that are that are placed upon us, and it's like, will and this is a, a, were you a sociology major as well? I can't remember. Yeah, that's where they push. Like that's where that's where, uh, that's where they push us at. Because <laughs> you 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 hit it. Because look look at BC. The first talk we had. It's crazy. I don't want to call BC. Y'all got no. Hey. We would sit down and go over our major. Like and you mm. know I'm telling you nothing different. <laughs> They'd be like, look, you, you can't do that. You know what I'm saying? Look, you're a football player, you're going to take these classes right here. <laughs> I, I, I encourage you to be a sociology major. Right. You start something out of the world, it was like, you know, you think you can really handle that and playing football too, or you can handle right. that. It was like, we're trying to get you out of here. Right. That's the safest measure to get you out of here and keep this graduation rate going. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, that, and that's what it was. So like you say, it was like, the expectation was like, that's why I say the connection between them three entities gotta gotta pick up so that when a mm-hmm. child went to high school, to college, when he get to college, he can have his self-esteem and say, you know what, I do want to major in engineering. 
You know, I do want to major in computer science or I do want to be a doctor. And I can do that because I understood that structure early on of what it takes at these high levels. Right, right. And I, I, I would add to that that I came in initially was general management. <laughs> and I, I, I was in that. And it was, uh, but to the, to there was something to be said for that it would have been difficult. I'm not going to say I couldn't have done it. I know it would have been a struggle though. It would have been in, I think, from from that standpoint, uh, to to give BC some credit, and I know you weren't trying to completely knock them. I think it was the the fact that they did give us a support system, and everybody will say they have learning resources. But you can look at that graduation rate and look at that and say, well, actually, who's walking out on the other end with a degree? And they can say that. So there is something for me where it's like I know I'd rather have something than not have it. Now, you, now we can we can debate about whether or not. If, if, if I had an engineering degree or not, and and this is the, the, the part for me is that I've, I've, I know people that got engineering degrees that, and, and they're always kind of this, they say, well, what can you do with sociology? Well, what can you do with engineering? Cause I know a bunch of y'all that got engineering degrees that ain't engineers. Engineers, right. <laughs> so, I mean, if I went and got an engineering degree, um, if as, as a black man, I don't see it. It's not a bunch of us that are being included in that. It's not a lot, a lot of black women that are being included in that. So it's also um, that other part when you go out in the world, what do you get from that? But any degree for me, education is, is valuable. So whatever you do, if you're walking out of there with something in hand, you're more you're instantly more valuable than, than not having it. That's just right. the way society works. That's not me you know, um, down in someone who does not have a diploma or, or has one. I'm just saying this is right. the, the game. That's what the game is. The game says, if you have you this, you get that. That's that's your that's your passport. That's your passport <laughs> into this level right here. Right, you know exactly. I mean? that passport, we can't let you through. You know what I mean? Exactly. That, that's it. Well, Coach D, I think you coached us up. I think you got us better understanding the current state of youth football. You got a good program there, the Parkside Warriors. Check them out. Coach Dennis Harden, this is Victory Formation. Let's take a knee. And tell me how you really feel inside, cause the hen never lies. Putting down a bottle like taking off the skies. Putting pen to paper make my spirit choose a flight. I could be in water, but I don't sink. I rise. I'm too ahead of you guys. Ahead of my time, man. Paying homage is just another part of my rhyme. No part of my rhyme, man. I don't got time, man. Days flying by from night into shine, man. In pursuit of happiness and peace and supply, man. If you can let my life in, then maybe you'll understand. How can you support me then end up being a fan? You kept it a buck, but was never a hundred grand. Life lessons move more smoothly without stressing and high tension. Keep your head and close weapons. Tears shed my pen blood. Table couldn't fix it. They gon' try to cover your eyes. So pay attention.